0: The Southern Food and Beverage Museum has an integrated collection. Objects, books, and archival material all support research. The research center has a new and important public partner, Nunez Community College. We discuss the partnership and its future. It's on tip of the tongue. podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with several people from the Nunez Community College Library, and we are very excited because we get to talk about the special partnership between the Southern Food and Beverage Museum and the Nunez Library. So here with us today, we have Dr. Tina Tinney, who is the chancellor of the Nunez Community College. We have Caitlin Baruti, who is the head librarian. And we have Chris Haynes, who is a member of the Nunez Foundation Board. So welcome to all of you. Thank you. So first, Dr. Tinney, let's start with you. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about um, what you see this partnership can do for Nunez, for Chalmette, Louisiana, which is where Nunez is, and also for the Southern Food and Beverage Museum and its library.
1: Absolutely, Liz. Well, as a community college, we're always um, looking to explore where we can have positive community partnerships. And this certainly is one that's incredibly unique, but fitting for the direction that our, our community college is headed particularly as we look to partner with the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in terms of establishing a true exhibit and basically a little museum here housed within the college. In terms of the library, um, libraries have been evolving and truly we are re-envisioning our library into a learning commons here at the college. And museums and exhibits really are a draw um, for the entire community, the entire metro area and beyond, actually. So this particular partnership, as I said, is incredibly fitting. You know, located here in southern Louisiana, on the coast, we have such a unique local culture and heritage that's founded around our food and and beverage and hospitality in our area. So we were absolutely thrilled when the conversation started about whether or not this could be included as part of the re-envisioning of the Nunez Library, and we truly feel like this particular exhibit will allow people to come to our college and engage in a very different way, maybe surprise some visitors who are here, engage them in a way to participate and learn, and make Nunez a destination in learning, so that when they come to the college, they'll be able to explore a number of different opportunities and disciplines. And for the Food and Beverage Museum, it is just absolutely the the place to be in terms of Southern Louisiana. So we're very privileged and proud to be able to have this partnership here at Nunez.
0: I'm really excited about it because of just the openness to the collection that there is there so that people who find out about things that are in the collection and who need to use it can come here to actually learn about it and and use it. One of the things that was very exciting to me, even before we entered into this partnership, is that because we have such a large collection, for example, of community cookbooks, so many libraries don't maintain community cookbooks because they're not good on the shelf, they don't sit well, and the binding is usually terrible. And so ours are considered, I mean, in our opinion, these are really fine, wonderful resources. And so we have them cataloged, and people have actually found them and flown in from other places to use those books because they can't find them anyplace else. And that's kind of exciting. To think that they would be coming to Nunez to do that—that's really exciting. Yes,
1: very, very exciting. And you know, in terms of the library, people generally associate a library with books, mm-hmm. um, but a cookbook is a book, and it yes. tells a story. It really does. It tells a story about our culture and our heritage. And I'm very excited uh, that this is one of several exhibits that we are um, envisioning for the college. And uh, as you know, here in Southern Louisiana. Um, you know, we, we're including an entire Islamio archive, which will be um, adjacent to the Southern Food and Beverage exhibit. And mm-hmm. both of those do tell a story and it, and it lends itself, no pun intended, to the flavor of, <laughs> of our <laughs> entire community. as this all gets blended together in terms of, you know, who we are as a people here.
0: And so Caitlin, as this library partnership develops, And um, we're actually starting to put books on shelves and merge catalogs and all the the actual work that has to be done to make this a meaningful, usable space. How is that burdening you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I will say it is, it's a big task because it is such a robust and unique collection. You know, a lot of what we have talked about are those community cookbooks, which, you know, in terms of cataloging them, you can't just go and find a record for it. A lot of times you have to create it from scratch because it's not something that's super well known. So that's kind of a unique challenge, but I think that's exciting. I mean, like you said, these are things that not a lot of libraries have. And for us to be able to be one of the only ones who has access and provides access to that, that's just, I think that's an incredible opportunity for our library. So I think you know, it's, it's a big task. It's a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of work, but I think it will be well worth it
0: for sure. And Chris, how does, how does your judgment of how this is going to affect the community, since you are a member of the community, how, how does it seem to you? I think it's uh, two parallel paths, merging and uh, going in the right direction for St. Bernard. I mean, you've strove to be a meaningful part of St. Bernard. And we're lucky to have you here as a resident now. And it's nice to bring the collection to St. Bernard and merge it with the culinary program and Nunez. It just makes sense. Yeah. I love the fact that Nunez has a, a culinary and hospitality program because it does mean that locally the students will have it as a resource. Also, I think any pro start students will have a resource. And I know that that Nunez has articulation agreements with so many of the four-year colleges in the greater New Orleans area. And I can see all of those students who might be involved in a food studies program or any kind of historical public history program or anything that's similar to that might also be interested in using the collection so that it can be something that could be really meaningful. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those articulation agreements, Dr. Tinney? Um, definitely. As I said, you know we, we're always looking
1: to have good partners. Um, so we, we often partner with business and industry, but it's very important to us to partner with our educational partners as well. So it lends itself to articulation agreements that we have with the four-year partners, the two-year partners. And I don't want to miss the fact that we have great relationships through our dual enrollment programs as well. So this opportunity to land this um, exhibit here at Nunez means that the students who are here in our own culinary program will have access to such a unique body of knowledge. So they, of course, will be the, the true beneficiaries on a day to day. But certainly for the four year partners, we do have articulations with Holy Cross because they have a food science program there. We have an articulation agreement with Nichols, who has a great culinary program as well. So those students would have access, as well as just the digital that we will be able to um, advance to that can, of course, extend out to anywhere, right? For the four-year students, we also have partners with the two-year colleges. There's only 12 colleges in Louisiana that make up the LCTCS system for community colleges. And we are very networked um, together. So, of course, Delgado and Suela and a few other colleges that are in our area have culinary programs as well. So this will open the doors as we make this exhibit known to our sister institutions. And as I said, also to our dual enrollment partners. You know, we have a great program at Shelmet High School here in our community. We also have dual enrollment, particularly with culinary in the St. Tammany area and in Plaquemines. So all of those students. So the impact of this um, museum, of course, we're excited to, you know, to say that this is living here in St. Bernard Parish, but the reach in terms of how this extends out to students and communities everywhere is, um, it's going to be exciting to see how many individuals actually will get the benefit of being able to tap into this particular exhibit.
0: Well, the thing that I think is going to be really good for the museum out of this partnership besides just being able to touch all of those people that you just described is that it's going to let people also know about some of the special collections that we have. We are a repository library and so we have a relationship for example with the organization which is an international organization Les Dames de Scoffier International which is a women's organization in uh, culinary and hospitality industries. And we have a special collection that reflects all of the books and papers and uh, videos and all sorts of things that have been done by all of the women who belong to it. And so it allows people, I can imagine in 50 years to say, oh, well, let's study this organization. And this would be the place where they would come to do it, because we will have all of the books that they wrote, they edited, they photographed, they illustrated, whatever, as well as the videos that were made and all of the lessons that were created and all of that will be there at the at the library. And we are honored to have the collections of, say, Paul Prudhomme, who directed that his after his death, that his his um, collection of books come to our library. So they're, they're there, you know, and that can tell you something about him. Not only the books that he collected because he was interested in them, but the just based on his notes and that are in the books and all of that, it, you just could learn so much about him. And we have a great menu collection. We have pamphlets. We have all sorts of things that I think people will find really interesting. We have also a collection of rare African-American cookbooks that were collected by Ken Smith, who donated his collection to the library and research center. And just the papers of chefs, Louis Osteen, who was one of the group of Southern chefs pre-food network, So maybe isn't as well known as some of the Food Network chefs, but he was part of the group with Emeril Lagasse and Norman Van Aken of people who made Southern food, something that was served on white linen, and he left of his papers. So you can see his tax returns and all sorts of interesting things that he left us, which tell us a lot about his journey And so I I just think that all of that is very exciting. We even have quirky things besides our menus. We have a collection of paper cocktail napkins and they go back to the beginning of when paper cocktail napkins were available and you can spread them all out and look at all the crazy sayings and the interesting embossments and everything on them. I, I think that. Having a place that is so diverse like that with such a diverse collection is the kind of thing that also adds a lot because it's not very narrow. It's actually very broad. We have books in uh, at least six languages now, and uh, that's always growing. And so it's also, it's possible because we have so many immigrants that you can read the books in the cookbooks and other culinary books in the language of the people who, came, who wrote it and not just an American interpretation of those, those cuisines. I think that's also very important. So anyway, it's very exciting that, uh, that this is actually coming to fruition. So Caitlin, I wanna ask you, What kind of a timeline do you think that we're looking at if we really kind of put our noses to the grindstone and try to make this happen?
2: You know, I think what we have discussed is top priority is getting books on shelves within the next few months for sure. And I think beyond that, once we get the books on the shelves, there'll be other things that'll happen as well to sort of dress up the space and really Equip it to be a research center. So, I think the timeline we're looking at, we were thinking grand opening probably in the fall. And that's not to say that that's where it ends and that's the end of the project either. You know, I think this is a space that's going to continue to evolve as, you know, the collection grows and as we find out, you know, how people want to use this, because ultimately we want this to be a space that is very adaptable and, you know, is has the things that the researchers need. So I think that's sort of the timeline that we're looking at. but that being said, I can't wait to see how it will continue
0: to grow and adapt for years to come. Another thing that I think is very exciting about it is that um, I think that we all have the desire, to make it accessible, and not just a collection of things that are in a, a back room somewhere. And I think that if I can speak badly against certain libraries, I think that that often happens that, that they're collections that are donated, and they just languish in boxes. And you know, it's almost the reason why, You might find that so-and-so finds a new manuscript that's been in this library for 25 years because nobody ever opened the boxes after they were donated. And I know that we all have a sense that that's not what we want this place to be, that we want it to be vibrant and lively and something that um, we're, we're trying to make accessible to people. And not just hoard it. <laughs> Liz, can you comment on the size of this collection, the number of pieces? So I know that we have already cataloged, is it between seven and 8,000? Correct. Um, yeah. Yes, between seven and 8,000 books. We probably have another 15,000 or so wow. that need to be cataloged. We have offers of other books. And so that's just talking books. So we also have, in addition to that, we have menus and pamphlets. We have the papers of many, many people. And then we have things like our cocktail napkins and other ephemera posters and photographs. And, um, and Chris, all the things that are still to come that people, once they find out about this place will decide need to be here. So all of that is the potential is is really, really great. Um, Unfortunately, right now it isn't really usable because it's not out on shelves, but we have have gotten the first step done, which is to move everything to Nunez. And so now we're working on next steps, which is makes me feel good because that was this over, overwhelming task to box everything and make sure it got over there. And now it is there. So that's, that's step one, it's done.
1: And Liz, I will give you my word, right? That is the focus of where we're moving with our vision. We've actually been meeting. Uh, I left the meeting to, to come here. We've been meeting regularly um, and we'll start January. You know, it's been a tough two years with with COVID and the pandemic of trying to get people engaged and so forth. But we've learned how to how to manage it. We've done a tremendous job here, and uh, and we know that this is something that we're gonna we're gonna continue to navigate and and be able to live with and live through. And so we're really looking forward to making that access that you're talking about mm-hmm. possible here, and having people engage and having it interactive. I mentioned that we are re-envisioning the the entire second floor of the library. And so uh, I had mentioned also that Islaño archive, because to your point, it was behind closed doors, right? Mm -hmm. And we want to make that um, an open research and interactive area so that even, you know, middle school and young school kids can come through, learn about their culture, and then adjacent to that, to have the story of and the history, really, of the food and beverage um, industry in our area, the timing for this couldn't be better. And, and I'm excited because of everything that you referenced about all of the contributions for the new year. Our college is, is really committed to, to auditing our diversity and equity and inclusion efforts.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: to be able to, to use this to enhance bringing people in and having them learn, as you said, about all of the incredible female Uh, chefs and contributors to this entire um, industry and in our community and the flavor I mentioned um, Isleño you know but of the the caldos and the paellas and all of that history and then the French influence and the African-American and the soul food and that rich diversity that really has defined our region I mean that's what people think about when they think about New Orleans you know it's the food and the people right and then all they need to do is come a little bit over 10 minutes, spend a 10 minute car ride and land in in St. Bernard Parish and be able to be exposed to that continued culture and heritage and, and be able to learn about us and have that history right here accessible at our college. We're just very, very fortunate and excited that you all have chosen to house this incredible exhibit here at Nunez. So thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you also for being so open to it because I think it's kind of a big ask. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's really really exciting, and I also appreciate Caitlin's openness to what is going to be an extraordinary task. <laughs>
2: of course, you know I think one of the most exciting things about this is that it's going to bring a different kind of people into our library that we don't typically get here. You know we cater mostly to our students here at Nunez, and then the faculty and staff as well. And we have a few community members who wander in here and there, but I think this is really going to bring, you know, more people even from outside of this community. I mean, like we've said, we aren't that far from the city, and I would love it if, you know, people visit the museum and then they find out, oh, there's a culinary research center, let's go out to Chalmette. So I think it's great opportunity to really open our doors some more um and you know let people know that we're
0: here well we have recently added a volunteer musicologist who is very interested in making sure that this is a person with archival background um not just somebody who is just a volunteer randomly um, but who is interested in the relationship between food and music. And so, of course, Caitlin knows that we brought over a, a, a record player <laughs> so that we'll be able to you know, have a, a music listening room so that we can hear tapes and, and records and all of the kinds of things that you might have that are everything from records of, of advertising music to advertise food as well as songs that are reference food. And it's just, and in our community, uh, things, you know, we're all about food. So whether it's blues songs about food or Cajun music about food, there's just so much that this research center can house. And I think it's uh, all very exciting. That is exciting. You know, I'm, as you speak,
1: uh, I'm envisioning this ribbon cutting to be really unique with a jazz brunch
0: going. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And involving the, uh, the culinary program. And just, you know, I, I just think it, it could be really, it could be really wonderful. And th- there's no end to the places that food and drink touch because it's so basic to our lives. And we're gonna be discovering things. I I even thought that because of this special relationship that Nunez has with the, the space program, that it would be really interesting to do an exhibit about food in space and eating in space. Why not? Why because it, it's Why a perfect combination <laughs> of all of the interests of Nunez. So I realize that those are sort of future projects. We have some basic practicalities to deal with first, but you know you have to it's think. Not of, the hey, limit. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. And not only the space program, but the, the, the new exhibit that's going to be a f- covering the campus at, at Nunez that's about the sky. And so it's all connected and that way that food connects everything to me is just really why I think I become interested in it. And I'm so excited that there is an academic interest in food and food ways and food culture, as well as the practical aspects of it. So we're coming to the end of our of our time. Does anybody have anything that they want to say about the program that we haven't covered? Any ideas you have about things that we should be doing? I'm kind of interested in making a big splash for the grand opening. And fall is far enough away. How about that ebony test kitchen? Is that a traveling exhibit that we could maybe have here in the fall? Well it's it's quite large so we're we're planning on having the, the whole african slash american exhibit at the southern food and beverage museum in new orleans which includes the ebony test kitchen but the ebony test kitchen is very very cool it is what we're talking about is an exhibit that is being developed by the museum of food and drink in new york And at the Africa Center in Harlem, they will soon be opening an exhibit called African American. And one of the centerpieces of that exhibit is the original ebony test kitchen. It's totally psychedelic. I mean, it is unbelievably arresting when you see it. And it actually is one of those large exhibits that covers 400 years of the influence of Africans and African-Americans on the food of America. So yes, it will be here soon. And and if we can can make sure to combine a visit to the museum to see that as well as the opening of this uh, wonderful research center, I think that would be terrific. That would be absolutely terrific. So I want to thank everyone for uh, for being here today. This is an exciting project, and I want to share it with everybody. So thanks so much for being here. So thanks to Dr. Tina Tinney, to Caitlin Baruti and Chris Haynes for uh, being big supporters of this project. And uh, there'll be more when it's open. Thanks Thank you, Liz. Weller. Thank you, Liz. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue. We come to you from the Camellia Bean Studio at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, part of the Nitty Grits Network. For more information on today's podcast, join the Tip of the Tongue podcast group on Facebook. Please come by when you're in New Orleans and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, let us know in the comments. This is Liz Williams.